Welcome to Product Knowledge, the podcast about marketing products that improve people's lives. I'm Andreas Schwabi, Director of Media Services at Graphos. Seven episodes ago, in our fourth installment, we did a flyover of intellectual property with Erica Murray, an intellectual property lawyer and Director of Innovation at PCK Intellectual Property in Toronto. In this episode, we cover the intellectual property subtopic of licensing. Licensing happens to be the specialty of Trevor Prentice, an intellectual property strategist. As a consultant, he's had the opportunity to work with businesses in virtually every industry and circumstance. In this conversation, we get a clear definition of licensing, but Trevor Prentice also explains how a good licensing strategy can benefit virtually every business and even propel a new product forward. We talk about how to decide what to license, valuation strategies to figure out what your product or process is worth, what you can license, and more. What's clear is talking to an IP strategist like Trevor Prentice can contribute to your bottom line and make issues around intellectual property easier to navigate. Trevor Prentice joined me and Graphos CEO Laurier Mandon in the Graphos studio, and we started by asking, what is an intellectual property strategist? So I'm not a lawyer, um, but I help uh, clients, entrepreneurs, uh, companies with the strategy surrounding their intellectual property. So should they be considering like intellectual property? Usually the answer to that is, is yes. But uh, more, more specifically than that, what types of intellectual property should they could be considering? Do they have some potential to file a patent on some of their inventions? Um, usually most companies should, should always keep in mind uh, filing a trademark. That's one type of intellectual property on their brand. And uh, maybe copyright or, or trade secret or any of the other types. So that's where I help people figure out what type of intellectual property should they be looking towards and, you know, how. Tell, tell us a bit about the route that got you to where you are today. Yeah, I, I mean, I studied uh, more technical stuff in school, university. I did a physics degree and then aerospace engineering master's degree. And uh, during my master's, actually, I started getting involved in the business program. So I was able to do the certificate program that was... Uh, sort of like half an MBA, and uh, I did the entrepreneurial half, which was kind of the fun half, in my opinion, and uh, that, that really got me more interested in that. So uh, finishing school, I started looking around thinking, what can I do that's kind of at the intersection of science, engineering, and business? And uh, that brought me to this some of the intellectual property stuff, because the, the cool thing about patents and other types of intellectual property is it's, it really is like a scientific journal article, but then turned into a legal document that can be used to help your business, you know, gain value. So it's a, it's a real cool intersection of all those things. One of the things that, that really interests me in, in your work and is, is relevant to many of the, the clients that we talk to who are inventors and they have an idea, but they may not be resourced enough. They may not have the, the finances to go and, and take their invention to market. Um, you help your clients to license their inventions and to, to find someone who's interested in, in taking that on and, and, and doing the financial heavy lifting for them. Um, how does that work? Yeah, so I, I, I definitely help uh, at a number of different stages. And one of those stages that comes, you know, a little, a little after you've figured out what you can protect and how you can protect, uh, one of the things that comes after is, is licensing, if that's the model that your business is focusing in. And I definitely recommend in most cases, it's something that entrepreneurs should consider because it can be another way to bring revenue into your business using your intellectual property uh, while you're pursuing uh, development of your own product uh, on, on the, uh, in parallel. So that's where 
Uh, basically, the licensing means you can take your intellectual property, take an idea, and give someone else the right to use it. And in exchange for that, usually they're they're paying you. So you're bringing in some revenue on the side as you can then pursue your own market or your own industry in a certain jurisdiction. And, and how does that typically work? Like how how does the inventor benefit from licensing a product compared to creating and marketing that product themselves? Obviously, there's there, there's less risk for them, but um, is there less gain as well? So it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think this is one uh, common, not necessarily misconception, but something that, that entrepreneurs and, and businesses don't really think about to, to the degree they maybe should. It doesn't have to be one or the other. So a lot of times um, in the patenting process, you can try to f- keep your patent uh, more broad, at least initially. So maybe you're filing a PCT patent, which is something that can be that can allow you to eventually get protection around the world. Um, if you do that, if you're a small business, you're probably focusing on a, on a smaller, more local market for your own manufacturing, production, marketing. Um, and this is where if you have a broader protection on your patent, you could potentially license other jurisdictions. So maybe you're licensed just Europe to a big European firm because you know your business is going to be a while before you really make it over to the European market. Um, so that's one way where you could benefit uh, quite quickly from licensing to a company, a large large firm in Europe that's in a similar kind of industry or in another jurisdiction. Um, and then you're bringing in some revenue that helps support the development of your invention back in, in a local uh, jurisdiction. So, and I mean, if you live in Europe, obviously you could flip that. <laughs> so that that's one way. Another way is if if you if your invention, uh, maybe you're working in oil and gas or something, and you come up with a new technique for um, you know something to do with pipelines, but then you realize actually that could be applied to other areas. Maybe I mean ship hulls or some other application. Uh, but your business is really just focused on the oil and gas. So you could license the other applications, you know, to other industries. And now again, you're bringing in revenue. Um, a license might come with an upfront payment. It typically has some royalties associated with it. So every time the business that you license to makes some money, they give a portion of that money to you. So that that money, that extra revenue coming in can really help support and, and accelerate your business growth in, in the market or the jurisdiction that you're focused in. It seems to me the the biggest pitfalls though are that the inventor has no idea how the licensing world works, right? And how how does how does an inventor go out, or how do you help them to go and get a good deal, as opposed to, you know, yeah. if they're dealing with somebody who is experienced, there, there must be sharks out there who who are going to take advantage of inventors that that really don't know what their idea is worth, and and aren't yeah. good ne- negotiators. So uh, so how do you how do you work that landscape? Yeah, definitely. I, I remember one, actually, I think this was a colleague's uh, client that came to us and uh, had, had a, a patent and had filed a patent on this in, this invention in the software space. It was sort of like a mapping tool. This was years ago. And uh, we were in this meeting and the, the entrepreneur says, oh, yeah, so Google actually approached me and they offered me a million dollars for it. So I just took it. <laughs> and we were like, oh, well, you know, it could have, you might have been able to get a lot more than that because this is sort of the it could have been and again I, this was a long time ago and I, I that was my colleague I think but could have been like one of the core patents for Google Maps let's say and that would have been worth a lot more than a million dollars potentially so you're right yeah if you don't really know how it works or the process um, you could you could be taken advantage of so this is where this is definitely one of the things I help with the client. Um, in the licensing process, you're certainly going to need help from a lawyer as well to really nail down those those uh, important legal clauses. But where I tend to help more often is looking at the business side. So um, 
what is your intellectual property worth doing some of the valuation work? And one of the first things I'll do with respect to that is just look at try to find comparable deals that have been done. And I have access to certain databases and, you know, I, I'm aware of some of the places to go to find those types of deals. And, and then um, looking at those and seeing, is this a similar type of a license, similar industry, similar product? And if it is, then you can start to say, well, these guys got this much, so maybe that's where we should start or start a little higher than that and see if we can get a deal there. So that's one way. And there's other valuation techniques as well that can be useful. Are there any like license, you know, indices or sort of standards? Because yeah, yeah. So there's a few ways to do that type of valuation. Um, there are, I, as I mentioned, there's com- comparables is one of the first things I look at. So what have people licensed this type of thing in the past? And so at this stage, in you know, in the world, there's been tons of software licenses. There's been tons of things, and they're not usually made public, especially the financial terms. But there are certain databases of pub, uh, well, not not publicly available, but databases that have that information in them. So, so that's a definitely a good place to start. There's other ways to value some of that IP as well. So, um, how much? Like, let's say you look at a business and the business without intellectual property. How much would they be making in the industry? You know, how much revenue? from a specific product versus now that you've filed intellectual property, how much more would you reasonably expect to make if you were if you were manufacturing that and selling it yourself? Uh, and the difference there is kind of like what the IP is worth in a sense. Um, so that's a, that's the income approach in a sense. And then the, the, the third technique, which I tend not to use as much, but it's another one that you can kind of compare to the other two, is called the cost approach. And, and I guess the, the question there is if you're considering licensing to a, another party, um, and even from their perspective, they might be thinking, well, what, how much would it cost us to uh, develop an alternative to this intellectual property ourselves? Maybe internally they do some research. So it's going to take this many research hours of, for our engineers, the right. engineers and yeah. scientists. So trying to figure out those, co- those prices. And, and, um, and then on the other side, from the licensor, the person doing the licensing, how much did it cost them to develop it, right? I mean, you might have had to pay your engineer a certain amount, and then you've, you've paid for the patent. Uh, or other forms of, of protection. So, so these are different ways you can kind of value it. It does it does sometimes become pretty arbitrary, and a lot of people don't dig into that much detail. Um, they just sort of throw a number out there, and then negotiation right. goes from there. But right. uh, but it all it all comes out in the end, where hopefully both parties are happy enough at least to to move forward with the partnership. You're listening to Product Knowledge, the podcast about creating and marketing products that improve people's lives. Well, how do you go about locating those prospective licensees and, and approaching them? Because um, you probably don't know them in the first place. So are you just Googling around or do you have a, a process you follow to, to find people who might be interested in, in, in purchasing? Yeah. This, is, yeah, this is actually one of the hardest things. And, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs think, you know, it's, the hardest thing is coming up with the idea. Uh, but honestly, everyone has a cool idea. Um, protecting it is, is tricky, but then really finding someone that wants it is probably the hardest thing because, and, and, and one of the things that people tend to forget or they just, you know, save it for later. But uh, making sure you have a market for your invention or for your idea is pretty important before, you know, go, you go and spend your life savings. Now, if you're protecting with a patent, there's ways to keep the initial costs a little bit cheaper. Maybe you file a U.S. provisional first and then that gives you a year before you really have to start putting in you know the next level of, of cash um, so in that year you can go out and try to find a market now the best way I find is just to have you know to, to take advantage of your own network so entrepreneurs I'll give you an example maybe someone coming from the oil and gas industry again um, just 
just because that's an industry lately here that we've had some, you know, a bit of a downturn. So I see some people coming out of that industry, maybe they got laid off or something, and they've got all these ideas because they've been working there in that industry for years, right? And they see how it's done and they've been doing it this way that they're like, oh, I could be doing this better. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talk a lot about product market fit. And if you have somebody who works in a sector and they know yeah. there's a need, then they've already done the needs assessment themselves very yeah. often. So they know that that demand is going to be there. They know there's product market fit that as soon as if they can come up with this this innovation and it's it's going to be needed and adopted because they know that the cost they can produce it for is is going to it's it's going to fit with the available resources that the, the customer has then then that's fantastic i think when it, when it comes down to something that's um that's an invention that someone just hopes there's a market for <laughs> yeah. you know then it's a lot less likely they're going to find someone who's who's going to be a, a, a really willing licensee that's yeah. going to give them what what the invention might be worth, right? Because it's it's untested and it's it's a bigger gamble. Yeah, and and still still take a look at it, but just maybe take a look at that market first before you start spending a lot of money on the patent or or manufacturing or prototype development or anything. So make sure you have some sense, and and that's that's where yeah, the, in the oil and gas example or in any example like that where you've been working in the industry for a long time, you really know uh, that there, that there's a need there, um, and then the other benefit to that is. The, presumably, you know, if you were laid off or something, there's still some people in that industry that you're connected with. So those would be the great people to get started with that conversation and ask them, hey, d- would your company be interested in, in potentially licensing this? And keep it at that higher level. Like I'm just doing some market research, want to get a good sense. And then maybe they refer it up to their manager or to the technology licensing team in the company. And, and now you've at least you've got that relationship already. So that's really the best way to get it, get in the door and get started with licensing. If you don't have those types of connections, that's not to say it's impossible. You can start sending, you know, cold emails and making cold calls, but it's going to be a, a lot trickier. And yeah, you got to build trust, right? Because yeah. when you have the relationship already, then you're starting at an elevated level with that trust compared to the stranger out of an email, out of a cold email, out of the blue. Yeah. Um, so let, let's imagine you 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 have your client comes to you and you you do the valuation work and you manage to find someone who's an, an interested licensee. And at what point do, do you hand this off? Do you take all this stuff and, and hand it off to a lawyer to do the rest of the work? How far can you take it? Yeah, I, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be at a certain point. I mean, you, you probably want to have your lawyer involved throughout the process as well, um, especially I, I tend not to do, you know, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't put together a whole license draft for a client. Um, so that's something you'd want to have your license prepare the template and make sure all the important legal clauses are in there right from the get-go. And then I can help uh, throwing in some of the financial terms and some of the more business-oriented stuff and do a review, you know, almost like a double-check, make sure, especially from the business perspective and from someone who understands the technology really well and understands the relationship that you've built already with the licensee, um, I can do that second second double-checks, that review. I, one thing I notice is that sometimes once you start uh, lawyering up, the, the conversation can get a little bit less uh, less good pretty mm-hmm. quick, especially if both sides just sort of throw their lawyers into the ring and now it's just lawyers talking to lawyers. So, which, which certainly there's a place for that, but I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of room for having someone like a business person like me or even you know the entrepreneur themselves managing that conversation. 
the negotiation. And then it's, it's barely even like a negotiation. It's more just a matter of making sure we don't miss anything and we anticipate all the potential. It's a partnership. Yeah. You have yeah. two people yeah. and you have two parties that are working towards coming up with something that's going to work really well and make everybody happy long term, right? Exactly. As opposed to, to you know, two parties that are each trying to make sure they get a good deal, you know, yeah. sometimes at the expense of the other one potentially or, or, or not caring so much if the other party gets a good deal, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, definitely it's important to have that lawyer involved throughout the process. Um, I can help with the negotiation and putting some of those business or financial terms in. And then and then once, you know, the two parties come to a point where they think they're both pretty happy with it, then certainly have a lawyer review to make sure that, that again, there's nothing like on the liability side or the warranties that are missed, uh, some of that more legal stuff, because that's really important too. And it does come up, you know, you always plan for a good relationship in the long term, but if something does go wrong, it's important to have all that stuff in the agreement as well, the legal stuff. So, For sure. Our Graphos product clients come to us at almost all over the place, you know, in, in their journey. Um, you know, some of them have an invention that's, that's ready to, to, to market and sell. Some of them have sketches on a napkin. Um, so it really is all over the place. At, at what point should an inventor or the owner of a product business first reach out to you? Yeah, that's my experience too. I, I get clients uh, at all different types of stages in their in their entrepreneurial or their commercialization process. And um, and they all have their own sort of unique circumstances. So in, in those, you know, generally speaking, I guess it's hard to say, but that's where I usually just try to say earlier is better. Um, come chat with me. And, and as, as I think we mentioned earlier on, I do a lot of that help with the protecting your invention side as well. So if 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 they, a client, a potential client or an entrepreneur needs help with that type of thing as well, then probably good to come even earlier because, you know, there's certain things with patent protection where if you sell or publish your invention, now you lose the ability to patent in, in most jurisdictions. And North America is kind of the exception. They have a, a year grace period, but even that you know, you want to be really careful about when you publicly disclose or tell someone else about your invention. So in those cases, you know, even to learn that type of information, it's really good to have a quick, at least a quick conversation with someone like me uh, earlier on. And I think a lot of times it makes sense to come to me because, you know, I don't charge quite as much as the lawyers and I can give that broader strat- strategic perspective on all different types of IP. Uh, but you certainly will need to go to the lawyer, you know, to ask for the specific license. You know, okay, time to do a license agreement. We need that template. We need that help on the legal side. Yeah, I really love the service you offer, Trevor. I think that, that thank you <laughs> that our clients and and listeners will be, you know, can really benefit from talking to somebody like you early on in the process and and feeling less pressure than thinking, okay, this isn't quite serious enough that I've got to take it to a lawyer and start incurring those those big fees or even knowing if that's something that's going to be right for them. How should our how should the listener reach out to you? How can they get in touch with you to to talk to you and find out what what the next steps are that are right for them? Sure, yeah. So I, um, my consulting firm has a website. It's uh, wiverwill.com, so w h i v e r w i l l dot com, and uh, that's probably the best place to start. And uh, my email address and phone number is on there. So feel free to get in touch. Uh, and I'd love to chat with anyone. Yeah, it's it's. I, I always have a lot of fun learning about people's inventions and helping them through this process. So, you know, it's it's always I love having that conversation with people. Fantastic, and we're going to put that in the show notes as well, so you can Great. go in there and, and get that web URL. It's it's not the easiest thing to spell. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> There's an H in there you might not see coming. Yeah, so exactly. Awesome. Um, do you have anything else you want to add for our listeners so that they can uh, they can maybe do preliminary research or um, what, what do you recommend that anybody does before they, 
before they go into taking that, that next step of licensing or even deciding if licensing is something they, that they want to consider. Yeah, again, I think um, in order to license, you really need something to license. And so usually that's where thinking about that intellectual property strategy perspective, what types of intellectual property should um, the entrepreneur pursue, whether it's copyright, patent, trademark, uh, trade secret. You can license all types of different things, but it, it, you need to have you know something relatively tangible in that agreement. So, so that's where you certainly want to start. If you already have, let's say, a patent portfolio or even just one one patent, then you're you're definitely further along. So then it becomes a matter of looking at the market and looking at your business strategy. You know, what jurisdictions are you wanting to hold for yourself, for your own business to do manufacturing, if any? Um, and then what other areas do you think you could license maybe other industries or other jurisdictions where uh, you, you'll pursue those or you're happy to license those areas? Uh, and, and yeah, then, then it just, the conversation goes from there based on the circumstances that you're in. So and the business strategy. That's it for this episode of Product Knowledge and our conversation with intellectual property strategy consultant, Trevor Prentice. Visit his website at wiverwill.com. We'll have links in the episode guide, but it's spelled W-H-I-V-E-R-W-I-L-L.com. Visit graphosproduct.com, where you can find out more about Graphos, our services, ideas, more podcasts, and our blog, all our podcasts are transcribed for the deaf and hard of hearing and people who just prefer to read. Reach out on Twitter at Graphos Product or email us through the form on graphosproduct.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Andreas Schwabi.